see right now that cane's going to bug me today. God is good, right? Amen. All the time and all the time, God is good. Thank you so much for being so good to me. I've had so many people message me, call me, um, just send, send prayer and encouragement, and I have uh, so appreciated that over the last two weeks. Um, when, you're, when you're used to getting up every morning and going out and, and working outside every day, being stuck inside the house all day, every day, kind of uh, can get pretty rough at times. Um, but praise the Lord, that has really not been such a struggle to me. Um, it, it really has not bothered me that bad. Um, I've really uh, enjoyed some of the rest, I guess, maybe. Uh, maybe I feel like it, <laughs> it was time to stop a little bit. Um, I really enjoyed it. Things are going well with my hip surgery. Many of you have asked, so I'll just tell you all right now. It's pretty incredible that you can go into surgery at 11 o'clock in the morning. They can take you into the OR. They can cut a 21 and a half centimeter incision in your butt. They can spread your muscles and your tendons and your ligaments all apart, saw your leg off, bore a hole into your hip, glue a new socket in, add a screw for good measure, then drive a new ball onto the end of your femur where they just sawed the old one off, snap you back together like an erector set, 29 staples across your bum for good measure, and by 3.30 you're home. I was like, it's what time? By 4.30 Monday evening, the therapist had come to the house and we were talking about things we're doing. I was like, look, you know, if we have to, we can bring the, the vehicle down around the bottom side of the house and I can get in, drive me around up to the garage so I don't have to do stairs. And the therapist says, well, if you want to walk upstairs, come on, I'll show you how to walk upstairs. 11 o'clock, you cut my leg off. 4.30, you're showing me how to walk upstairs. I, 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 I get it, I get it. There was still some nerve block in there, I get it. You know, maybe I wasn't feeling everything to the full extent. But it's incredible to me what God has allowed people to learn how to do. To take care of one another. I mean, my goodness. I mean, quite frankly, I thought it was pretty cool. I was going to end up with this really cool x-ray picture, you know, of of this new joint in here. I, I collect that kind of stuff. You know, I had a heart ablation, so I've got the EKGs before and after the heart ablation, you know? It's like I had my bicep reattached. I got a picture of the hole they cut through my forearm and put a button on the other side. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to add this to my collection. I thought I had a really cool picture. And then my buddy Will, he shows me his picture, and his leg looks like Frankenstein. <laughs> Not only does he got a whole new hip, he's got 15 screws down his leg, too! <laughs> Like, how do you, like, I thought I was pretty cool getting a new hip. I'm not near as cool as that man. Got 15 screws in there, too. That is just incredible what, what we can do to the human body. It's more incredible as the, the greatest thing about being caught and stuck in my house. You know there's nothing good on TV. 
Um, <laughs> so, and I could only watch Roadkill so many times, and um, Texas Metal, and Iron Resurrection, and I think I could, re- yeah, I know, <laughs> like seriously, I think I could rebuild a car right now. Uh, <laughs> watched way too many episodes of that lately. Um, but I really spent a lot of time just with worship music on, playing in the basement downstairs, and really spent some really, really cool times with God. Um, it's just been really, really great um, spending those times. It's a shame I didn't purposely take those times. I had to wait till they cut my leg off and made me stay there. You know, there's times that there, there's some hard things in our life make us end up in places that are really good. And, and that's really kind of where I want to go with my message today. And, and I thought the way Ed was starting the service this morning, I thought he was just going to go ahead and preach my message for me. Um, but it just continues to confirm in my life what God was laying on my heart this week. Because, um, you know, I, I was looking at some different scriptures and, and Dan started messaging me about, you know, the songs and this and that. We were going over some things. I'm like, Dan, I've been reading Psalm 139 lately. I was like, oh, that kind of goes with this, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm like, yes, just, just sing what God puts on your heart. I, I've, I've preached in other churches, and they've been like, you know, you know do you need to know what the message is going to be? I'm like, look, everybody just pray. Seek what God would want you to sing, and let him tie it all together. It'll be good. And it always ends up good when we trust the Holy Spirit. And so we see this morning how God is just orchestrating, how he wants to talk to us really this morning about the goodness of God. And in Psalm 139, there's uh, really my focus ended up down on verses 17 and 18. It's God says, how, or David, the psalmist says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. <laughs> this is cracking me up how God is orchestrating this morning. Ed's quoting out of Lamentations. You go to sleep. When you wake up the next morning, God didn't leave you. You know, there's probably a lot of people in this room who have gone to sleep and woke up and a dad wasn't there or a mom wasn't there or a husband wasn't there or a spouse wasn't there. God is so good, He's whenever I awake, He's still there. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what life situations you're stuck in. When I awake, God is still there. And He loves us, and He wants to bless us, and He's got great plans for us. Let me ask you a question. How many of you took Dan's challenge earlier this year when he spoke, and are you reading through the Word of God? (laughs) Dan's still working on it. I see a couple hands. There's people working on it, all right? How far have you gotten? So, how far? Okay, deep in Leviticus. There's no, that's tough reading in through Leviticus, isn't it? It is, it is. Okay, but here's, I have a, a friend of mine I graduated high school with, 
and um, she does a, a daily reading, and it's a read-through-the-Bible thing, so you can actually log on with her every day and, and read through the Bible with her. And she's up to Numbers chapter 24 and 27. So if you're, if you're up to Numbers, you're, you know, you're on your way. You can keep going, and, and you're, you're probably going to make it if you're on that kind of a pace. You make it through the whole Scripture in one year, all right? Um, but that's, if you're in that, I want to know, I want you to stop and think about the goodness of what you've seen of God in the scripture so far. Okay, just in the early chapters. Okay, so I'm just going to do, I'm going to hit a couple high points here. I want you to just stop and look at a couple high points with me as we're going to jump through here the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 1, what happens? God created, right? God created the heavens and the earth, and it was what? Good. It was all good, right? He made all that is around us. He created the heavens and the earth. He created everything that was in it. He made man in what? His own image. And it was good. All right? He, he created all of us. But at that time, he created this perfect garden in a perfect world. And he created man perfectly, and he put them in the perfect world. And it was good. God's goodness to mankind. He created man good. He created everything around him good. And by Genesis chapter 3, what happens? Man sins, right? Man screws it up. We're we're dumb. (laughs) And me included. We're dumb. Man screws it up. God is good. He made it all good. He put us in there. All we had to do was walk and talk with him and tend the garden. One thing he asked us not to do. And they did it. An original sin comes in. And man gets removed from the garden. I mean, that sounds like a terrible thing. But when you read in Genesis chapter 3, it said, God removed man from the garden so he would not eat of the tree of life and be stuck in his sin. So God is so good. He made man. He made the earth. He made it all perfect. He made it all good. And when man messed it up, God said, I don't want you to be stuck like that. So I'm going to take you out of a perfect environment and I'm going to make, and things are going to be difficult for you. I know it's going to be that way, but it's for your good. Because if you stay here and you eat of the tree of life at this point, you're going to be stuck in your sin and you're going to be stuck separated from me for the rest of your life. So while that may have seemed hard and that may have seemed difficult, it was good. Nine generations after that occurs, man's depravity grows to the point where a man named Noah is getting a little older in age and God comes and talks to him and what does Noah have to do? Build a boat, right? I mean, it got so bad nine generations later that God says, I'm going to have to scrub this clean. (laughs) I made it, it was good, now i got to clean it. I'm going to have to give it a good scrubbing. By, gener- by Genesis chapter 6, 
The whole earth is destroyed by a flood. Only Noah and his family and two of every kind of animal is saved. And God says, here's a do-over. Sometimes our life can get really bad. Sometimes we may have to face a flood in our life. But we need a good scrubbing. But it was good. The flood was good because it cleansed the earth. And mankind is saved through Noah and his family. Now, not too much longer after, Noah gets back a couple generations. I was trying to count the generations after Noah's children, and it looks like somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe four or five generations. Man starts to get pretty full of himself. He gets a pretty big head. Look what I can do. I mean, we're only up now to Genesis chapter 11. And all of a sudden man says, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's just make sure everybody coming behind us knows who we are. And we're going to build this giant tower and we're going to reach it to the heavens. I can meet God in my way. It's all about me. I want everyone to take a look at me. And God says, really? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? It hasn't been that long since I had to cleanse the earth. But I made a promise back when I cleansed the earth. I'm not going to do that again with water. So this time I'm going to separate you. And it says that God confused their languages and he separated mankind. So they wouldn't get, basically wouldn't get such a big head. There became struggles. There became separation. There's times really when it comes down to it in our life that, that we're going to have struggles. And God's going to need to separate us from where we're at and who we're with. After this, now you realize all of that took place in the first 2,000 years of history. In the next 193 years, God selects for himself a nation. Out of all of that division of people, God said, Abraham. Started with Abram. He changes his name to Abraham. I'm going to make you a mighty nation whose people are of the sands of the seas. And Abraham and his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob begin to pass down and becomes the nation that we know today as Israel. And in those 193 years, as you read through the book of Genesis, you're going to see all the struggles that they have to face through that time. Struggles with knowing that they're in the promise, knowing that, that God has promised them great things, but 
sometimes they're making really dumb decisions and sometimes they do dumb things and, and sometimes they, they don't listen to what God is telling them to do. And God continues to say, come on back. Hey, remember the promise? Remember the promise? Remember the promise? There's a promise I'm going to make to you, a mighty nation. They've received the promise, but they're struggling to live in it. I think in times in my own life I can see where I've received the promise, but I struggle to live in the promise that I know God has given me. God establishes His people. He gives them a land and He makes them a covenant with them that you are going to be a mighty nation. Jacob's has 12, child, 12 children. They become the 12 tribes of Israel that we find. Joseph, next to the youngest boy, he gets a whole bunch of great dreams. His brothers don't like it. His mom and dad don't like it. But his dad, Joseph's the favorite. Ooh. Brothers get a little bit jealous and eventually they go to kill him. Thankfully the oldest brother says, ah, we can't kill him. Let's just sell him. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else found that amusing. <laughs> Don't kill him, just sell him. So Joseph, I mean, if you had a dream, wouldn't you tell your brothers and sisters? I don't know. Everybody says that Joseph was being arrogant about it. I don't read it that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Joseph's just like, I had this crazy dream. But Joseph ends up getting sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt, and jo Joseph's just trying to be a man of God. And Joseph ends up in prison, and then through a whole bunch of different circumstances, I'm serious, if you haven't read all this yet this year, go back and read all of it. There's some really cool stuff about how God takes care of Joseph. And it doesn't happen overnight when you're sitting in prison for two years. Eventually he rises to second in command in all of Egypt. Only the Pharaoh is above him. And everything he says the Pharaoh does. And the land is blessed. And, and they are saved from a great famine in the land because of what God is doing in Joseph's life and all of a sudden Joseph's family comes back into the picture because they're hungry and they need food and where they were at the Canaanites were beating up on them and in order to survive in order for God's chosen people to receive the promised blessing that he had for them Joseph had to be in Egypt And Joseph ends up in a position where he can bring his whole family in, set them up, and they can grow. And they can become a mighty nation. They can become a mighty people in Egypt. 
Joseph had to face some really hard life struggles while he was living in obedience. But through that, God protected his people from unholy nations and from a famine. In that time, Joseph passes away and the nation of Israel is growing larger and larger in Egypt. And a new Pharaoh comes along and they forget about Joseph and they forget about the God of Joseph. And then they begin to enslave the children of Israel. And then they need to get out. And it, as I stopped and was thinking about that, as I was pondering that, do you know they almost had to get to that point so that Moses could be raised in the palace and know how to lead, his pe- lead the people of God? Because what happens? In the story, Moses, his mom, has Moses as a child. They're supposed to kill the baby boys. She doesn't, puts him in the water. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, saves Moses. Moses is raised in the palace as Pharaoh's daughter. Moses learns all this great stuff. And Moses makes some dumb stuff, ends up getting exiled out of Egypt, and he runs away. I get it. But look what God's setting up. Look at the goodness of God setting up in this position for Israel. Because in that hard time, in that struggle, a leader was raised and a leader was taught and a leader was born. And eventually Moses and Aaron are coming back to Egypt sometime around 1400 B.C., And God's chosen people, the nation that God picked by hand and said, you're mine. I want you. You're going to be a mighty nation because of me. Are slaves in Egypt. And God is going to come back to set those people free through Moses and Aaron. And he comes back and through a whole bunch of really cool things happening, Moses finally gets kicked out of Egypt with all of Israel. And they leave and Egypt tries to pursue him. Egypt dies under a whole bunch of water, really cool stuff. You know, water standing up, nations walking through on dry ground. Read it. It's cool stuff. God does some amazing things for his people. Pretty hard hiking out around, though, through the wilderness. About a million people and all their livestock and all their stuff. How many of you have moved from house to house? Could you imagine moving a million people at one time with all their stuff? That doesn't sound like much fun. I don't want to have to carry the piano. But in the process of leaving, God sets his people free. God, God gives the law, the written law to his people and says, look, here's a guideline. Here's my law. Follow this. 
And God eventually takes him to a place and says, here's where I promised to set you up. I promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. And Mike took us there a couple weeks ago talking about that. God has a promise for each and every one of us. He has a land flowing with milk and honey. Sometimes it's hard to get there. Sometimes we need to listen to God the first time and not wander around for 40 years before we get the promise. But through this time, God has set up a leadership platform where God is leading his people through his prophets. Here he's leading through Moses. And in the future after Moses, there's going to come a line of prophets that are going to lead God's people. And as we, as we get down now another couple hundred years around 1047 B.C., somewhere in that neighborhood... The people are getting tired of being told what to do by the prophets and they want a king. And they've looked around and they've seen other nations who are being led by kings and they say, oh, that's what we ought to have. Did you ever look at your neighbor and say, man, I ought to have that? Maybe not such a good thing to do. Maybe not such a wise decision. But God wanted to lead his people. And, and just a little plug for Monday night Bible study. We've been studying 1 Samuel for how many weeks now? <laughs> five? I think it's more than five, Aaron. It's, it seems like it's been a long time. But there's some really cool stuff happens in 1 Samuel. Some really cool things that, that we've been learning. And, and if, you, if you're having trouble understanding some of the Old Testament, let me encourage you. Monday night's been really fun. Come on out and, and join us. And, and just on a side note, where's that commercial you did with the kids program? We need to, now time for a commercial. On Wednesday nights, there's groups that meet here. <laughs> on Thursday night, there's a men group at Ed's house. There's a ladies group that meets once a month on Thursday. There's the, the college and career group at Hannah and Elmer's, there's the Monday night group. Get involved with the people here in the church. Get involved in the Word of God. And see how deep you grow when you're a part of that. Now, back from our commercial. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. I do think, it, trust me, I haven't been able to go to those things the last two weeks. I'm not allowed to drive yet. I'm hoping after tomorrow when the 29 staples come out, I can drive. I'm hoping to get back to that stuff. I miss it. I miss being with God's people. So in 1 Samuel, the people are crying to the prophet Samuel and they're saying, look, we want a king. We want a king. We need a king. And Samuel goes to God and says, God... Look what they're telling me. They don't want me anymore. And God says, no, it's not that they don't want you. They don't want me. Go ahead and give them a king. And look what's written in 1 Samuel 12, 6 through 8. It says this, 
It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron. This is Samuel is telling the people right before he gives them the king. He's giving them a warning. You've look, you've asked for a king. God said, "Okay, I'm going to let you have it." But you're not going to like it. But pay attention. Here's a warning. Be careful what you ask for. 1 Samuel chapter 12, 6 through 8. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord said Moses, sent Moses and Aaron who brought your, t- your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. Keep going in verse 9. It says, And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, and the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you dwelt in safety. Samuel saying, This worked in the past. I don't know what your problem is. This worked in the past. Are you sure you want to make this decision? He continues then, verse uh, 12, And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Amorites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Quit looking at what's going on around you and worrying about what other people have and you don't have. God has blessed you and he wants to lead you into good things. He has good for you. Why would you want a king to reign over you when you have God as your king? Verse 13 says, Now therefore here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your father. I'll let you have a king, but you still got to listen to me. I'll let you have a king, but I'm still in charge. God loves them and wants the very best for them and is trying to guide them in the best way. And he's saying, if you really want to go that way, go ahead. It's not the best way. But continue to follow me. If we jump way ahead in the scripture then to Jeremiah, up to somewhere around, oh, 600 B.C., we find in Jeremiah 32, one of the many times that the very thing that Samuel warned them about has happened. 
And in Jeremiah 32, we read this, Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city of which you say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by famine, and by the pestilence. You see, they had fallen away from God. They had quit serving him. They had gone their own way. And the prophet was told to tell them, the bordering nations are going to come and get you because you aren't following me again. What have we learned about sin? Ed has told us over and over and over here, sin brings nothing but destruction into our lives. And yet somehow we continue to try to think that we can live in sin and not have the destruction hit us. Somehow Israel thought, oh, we can still do what we want to do. We can still add some of the other gods of the neighbors. We can still not follow God wholeheartedly and still get his blessing. And God says, you can't because the sin brings destruction into your life. And it happens over and over. And this sounds bad when you start first start reading the beginning of this chapter in Jeremiah 32. But if we continue reading here, look what God's heart really is here. Because I, I, I don't want to focus on what looks bad. I want you to focus on God's heart for his people here. In verse 37 it says, Behold, I will gather them out of the countries where I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath. I will bring them back to this place. I will cause them to dwell safely. They shall be my people and I will be their God. <coughs> Verse 41, yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all of this great calamity on this people, so I will bring on them all the good that I have promised them. God has promised good to us. If we will but obey Him and walk with Him and trust Him, and He wants to bless us, He wants to bring us good, God is so good. He desires goodness for us. He desires goodness for His people. And over and over and over in the Scriptures, we see where God continues to do good for His people. And His people tend to turn their back on Him at times and get in trouble. There's a struggle in life. God has good for you. God says some things to us. Next slide there, Tracy, please. God says that there is an original sin, but he wants to remove it. God says there is a growing depravity in, in the world, but, but I will give it a good scrubbing. God says, I know you're a proud people, but you may need to be separated from where you're at. God says, I know there's struggles in this life, but I'm here to provide protection for you. 
God says you may be being overcome by the world around you and, the, and that which surrounds you, but I'm here to give you freedom and guidance and to fulfill the promise that I have given to you. You may stand there and say you want it your way, but God says, look, I've got a better way if you trust me. Sin may be blocking the blessing that God has for you, but God says, just return to me, and it's still here. It's not gone. It's not over. The blessing that I have for you is not lost. Trust me. We see this over and over and over in the Old Testament Scripture. And God continues to say that. But God in all of His goodness takes this one step even further. He takes it one step further and He says, Not only do I want this so bad for you, I'm going to make the way. I'm going to send my Son. And his name is Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, God wants to bless you, not just physically. God wants to bless you by giving you His Son in your life. By adopting you completely into His family. And saying, you have the rights to everything that I am. You are now my son, my daughter. You're my child. You get all the good that is in me. So much so that I will import my Holy Spirit into your life. That you may live by the strength and the power of Him who dwells in you through me. That's how much God loves you. That's the goodness of God. That's the strength of His love and His care for you and for me. He wants to fill you with Himself. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God continues to call this day. If you're still alive, you still got a chance to hear His voice. If you're still breathing, you can still yield to God you can still receive the blessing of his son and his spirit in your life Ephesians 2 4 through 7 says but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and sin has made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. And He has raised us up together. And He has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You don't have to be good enough to come to God. You don't have to get things in life in, in your life in order to come to God. Come to God and let Him take care of that. He's calling you. He's the one who's asking you to come. God wants to do so much in and through us if we will but trust Him and return to Him. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to Himself according to that good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory and His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. God has made us accepted. God has called us into His fellowship. God has called us into His blessing. Will you pick up the phone today and receive the call? One more slide, I believe, Tracy. Jesus is over all of it. Maybe you've never asked Christ to be your Savior. Today can be the day. Maybe it's original sin. Maybe things are just really stupid in your life right now and getting worse and worse and you don't see any end to it. Maybe you're just a very proud person and you think you don't need God. Maybe life is hard and you don't know how to deal with all of this. Or you're overcome by the world or you just want things your way. Or maybe there's just that little sin that's blocking God from saying, I can pour this into your life, let go of that. You can't grab a hold of my blessing unless you're hanging on to me. Let go of the sin in your life. I don't know where you're at today, but I know this much. I know God loves you. I know God wants the very best for you. I know God has given you His Son. If you will receive Him today from where you are. I'm going to pray. If, if there's something going on in your life and, and you need to talk with someone, please come see them tonight, today. Don't leave here. If you've got something going on in your life and you need someone to talk to, there's going to be some of us around here. God's got good for you. He wants to set you free. He wants to bring you out and show you His ways. He wants to bless you. Will you come to him this day? Father God, thank you that you loved us and you have good in mind for us. 
sometimes the life around us looks really hard, but God, you have good planned. Just like the therapy that I go through now sometimes hurts, I know it's good, it will make my joints stronger. I know sometimes the things I go through in this life are hard, but I know it will make me stronger. So God, I trust you in my life. And I pray that we all would seek to trust you in our life for the good that you have for us. That we would, we would see you growing deeper and stronger in our lives day by day. That our fellowship with you would grow stronger and more intimate. That God, like Samuel, we would learn to know your voice and that we would understand when you're talking to us and that when the enemy's talking, we would know that it's a lie. God, you have good for us. You've promised us that. And so we receive that promise today as we come to you and as we yield to you. Bless us as we go from this place, God. May we walk in obedience with you all the days of our life. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great day.